a lot of times the ego only owns one side. You're either doing an amazing job or you're not doing good enough. And that black and white thinking is typically what creates those insecurities. Whether the insecurity comes across as I'm confident, I'm the best, I'm going to prove I'm supposed to be here. Or if the insecurity looks like, you know what, I'm never going to be good enough. I got to chase this ladder. I've got to you know, keep working harder. If I don't do this thing, I'm going to get fired. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Hello and welcome again to The Thinking Leader. This week I'm very excited because it's guest week. Bryce, my good friend, who do we have joining us today? Today we have with us Christy Garcia. Christy is an ego management expert. I love that title. (laughs) That's a great title. She's also a speaker, a facilitator, and founder of the Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. We're going to be talking all about ego and leadership, which, as you know, Marcus, is one of my favorite topics. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited to visit with both of you. Likewise. So, Tell us, why is ego something that leaders need to be wary of? Such a great question. You know, the reality is, is we all have an ego. Every single one of us, it's our unconscious mind um, that makes our decisions 95% of the day. So the more aware we are of that ego, which is driven by usually old stories, old beliefs, old mindsets, um, and their unconscious behaviors, So when we're aware of it, we can actually choose to intentionally create a better impact as a leader. And whether you're a leader at the top or a leader at the bottom, at the end of the day, leadership is leadership. And showing up with intention is really the only way to maximize your impact. And it's, you know, it's 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 a bit of a catch-22 because the higher you go as a leader, the more opportunity you have for your ego to be inflated and the more people you have around you who are actively trying to pump up your ego to advance their own careers, advance their own interest and that sort of thing. And so it, it's, it's far from uncommon right. that very senior leaders end up with colossal egos that cause enormous problems for themselves and their organizations. Yeah. And you know, I would even challenge that it's not necessarily that they have bigger egos. I think it's more they just get busier, right? They just have so many Mm. other things going on. And because it's the unconscious brain, they become more out of touch with the actual perceptions and reality of what's Mm. going on around them. So there could be less empathy. There could be less, um, you know, reality to the perception of what is actually going on versus the perception they've created because they're out of touch with what's actually going on. And I think that's usually where I see the disconnect. Um, I think human or egos at the top are, they all have the same symptoms, just different characteristics attached to it or um, different behaviors attached because of the level of thinking that they have to be at at that, you know, different higher spot. So what are some of the key symptoms? You mentioned symptoms there. Let, let's start getting into this. What, what are some of the key symptoms? And we all know about ego. Everyone talks about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're this expert. I really want to get into the analysis of ego so we can really help our listeners understand it. So what are some of the symptoms that you see predominantly surfacing that we can help our listeners and and viewers understand and see themselves when they're in the workplace? So it's a great question. There's um, in mindful choice, we, we refer to three egos. There's the complier ego, the protector ego, and the controller ego. And when you look at the complier ego, they are the human side of all of us, right? The side that cares about people, put people before tasks. Um, They're warm, they're inviting, they're friendly. They can walk into a room of strangers, walk out with friends. Now, with that complier behavior, unfortunately, the downside to complying behavior is that you are naturally someone who wants to please people, right? You want to be liked. You want to be validated. You want permission to you know, do what's right. Um, unfortunately, with that, as a leader, it can make you struggle to make decisions. It could um, be a struggle to hold people accountable. It could be a struggle to give hard feedback. 
Um, so those are kind of the downsides of the complier. When you're thinking about the protector. That's quite the opposite of, that is so fascinating because that's quite the opposite of what people think an ego is. You know, people with ego give hard feedback and don't worry. But right. what you just mentioned then is more of a softer aspect, but I can see the complications that that brings to be. Absolutely. And so that's kind of one of the things that I love about ego, because when you think of ego, you usually think of the loud, arrogant person in the room, right? The one that's mm. kind of a jerk. They talk their truth. They're too direct. They're too forceful. They're too aggressive. And unfortunately, that's just one type of ego. That's more of your controller protector ego. Um, when you're talking the people side of ego, the human, it's more the passive, the quiet, the one that sits back because they don't have the courage or the um, confidence to speak up, right? And so those are actually the same exact motivators uh, behind those egos. They just have very different symptoms. And so a lot of times you'll have a room that's full of, you know, people at a boardroom and it's full of compliers and controllers. The controllers are typically the ones that are running the room. Um, protectors are usually the ones sitting back, maybe feeling a little, uh, they can get very aggressive black and white thinking. And then your compliers typically are the ones that are sitting back, not saying anything, but they have a, a really big concern, but they'll walk out of the room and start complaining. And so when you can recognize these traits of the, of the egos, you can start addressing them in that group environment, which changes the dynamic and the conversation so drastically. So controller and complier, I get very clearly from your description. I, I'm curious about the protector. Yeah. So to get specific with the other two. So the protector is, um, that's where our integrity lives. So ideally, we all want to adopt 33% of all three egos, right? If we use them all about that 33%, we're really pulling the strengths and we're not overusing them. So the language I use is when you overuse a strength, it starts to hold us back and it's more ego driven. It's not conscious behavior any longer. And so that overused strength of the of the protectors, um, protector strengths are high integrity, speaks truth, very authentic and real. Um, it's where we hold our own values and our own belief systems. Now, unfortunately, what happens with that is we become very stubborn, right? We can be very black and white thinkers. If we have strong value system, then it's like my way or the highway. And so again, finding that fine line, uh, protectors really have to learn gray because they are so black and white. It's either I, I'm either all in or I'm all out. I either love or I hate. I either am on board with this or I am absolutely not. Um, and I think that's where you have to really um, help a protector find gray the strengths of protectors, though, it's where fairness lives. It's where truth and the things that are right uh, for the greater good live. The visionary thinkers, the, um, the ones that get into deep problem solving, they're usually 10 steps ahead of everybody, which makes them more frustrated when they have to slow down and, you know, get into the details of today. And so a lot of times that creates a lot of controversy. Now, with that being said, where they can struggle. I wouldn't know anything about that, would I, Marcus? <laughs> uh, I'm just smirking for no reason I whatsoever. I could just see Marcus. <laughs> Did you see it? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I know somebody. Uh, no words needed. Uh, it, Even Sam's nodding I in the background. <laughs> well, and that's the beautiful thing about the egos is we usually are attracted to people, uh, whether it's our life partner, our business partners, or even our employees. We usually start to hire people that are opposite of us or the same ego type because the opposites fill our gaps, right? We know that. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that we, controllers like to hire other controllers um, until they don't because if you're a controller, right? It's all great if you're on the same team and you have the same vision, but once you get into the controller, so the, um, the controller is motivated by being the best in winning. And so they are, you know, fast thinkers, results oriented, very efficient. And when you start to question their authority or question their, their vision and their path, they're going to get defensive. And so just again, recognizing these different ego types, one of the gifts of the controller is that's where passion lives. That's where charisma lives. That's where our, our charm lives, you know? And so when we can really master that, um, that controller ego to bring the people along, then we all get to finish like together. And that's, that's usually the gift of balancing controller egos out. This is so interesting, the, the nuance here, because I think when, when, when most people think about ego in leadership, the, the, the thing that's coming to their mind is the controller ego. Absolutely. And it actually might even be more of the protector because protectors can be very intense, very direct, uh, very black and white. You know, the thing is, is that it's it, the paradox to me is, you know, I, my background before, before I started red team thinking, 
before actually before before I started um, do, working with companies as first as a consultant and then in our my current firm as training folks, I was a journalist for twenty years, uh, a business journalist, and I had the opportunity to work with and watch some of the the, the most famous CEOs of the past, you know couple of decades in a variety of industries, everyone from, you know, Andy Grove at, in, in, in Intel and um, to Al Mulally at Ford, Sergio Marchionne at, uh, at Fiat Chrysler, um, Akio Toyota at Toyota, and, you know, and a lot of other CEOs at, at, at smaller companies, but who were no less impressive or unimpressive as the case may be as leaders, mm -hmm. depending on, on, on their situation. And I always thought it was a bit of a paradox because, you know, I never saw a, a leader, particularly of a large organization that did not have a forceful personality and often an enormous ego. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps uh, the only example of a truly humble person that I encountered who was running a large organization would have been Akio-san, Akio Toyota. Um, and I think it's a function of the fact that Akio-san grew up to run Toyota and, and the Toyota family values hum humility, you know, does not put themselves in the, the, the spotlight. Yeah. Um, and, and that sort of thing. In, in U.S. companies, though, I, don't, I can't think of, a, of, of any company that I worked with where, where there wasn't at least a significant degree of ego of one of particularly more towards the controller or protector running the show. Mm -hmm. And it, the reason I, I say this is because the reason I say it's a paradox is because my perception was you need to have this forceful personality to, to move an organization, right. particularly an organization of 100, 200,000 people. But it's very easy for it to cross the line into something very dark and dysfunctional too. You know, I love that you point that out because I think that's where a lot of times we make the ego bad. The ego is not bad. It's actually what gets mm -hmm. us our success. It's what gets us to the finish line. It's what makes us a good person. Um, when we overuse it and it's not intentional, then the ego unconsciously protects us, right? And so the ego was designed when we were children, like two and three years old, starting at life situations. So, you know, life tri uh, crises and traumas and, you know, moves and being bullied or having a tough teacher, or having strict parents, like whatever your story is, it starts to build our ego. And we either learn it's safe if I'm quiet and I'm liked, it's safe if I, you know, I'm a good athlete. It's safe if I get straight A's and I'm the smartest kid in the class, whatever the story is. And so we start to build our identity through this ego as a child. Now, when you think of it, right, a child is super egotistical. It's all about me. And until right. they're about four, they don't even learn the word we, right? And so everything is I, 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 me, me, me. And then we get into our teens and we almost start getting punished for the I mentality because like, oh, wow, it's not just about me. And everybody's letting me know that right now. And this really sucks. Um, and then you get into your 20s and now you're a young adult and you're starting your careers, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're starting to have relationships. And now you really learn like, oh, if I if I don't have people at the finish line with me, I'm kind of losing. But we don't really have an intentional thought around that. We just know it's uncomfortable when, you know we lose people or we get fired or we get laid off or we have confrontation that that sucks. But usually it's an ego driven reason for why we're having that in our world. Right. And so as you start getting further and further into leadership, if you don't learn about that ego, you absolutely need it. And majority, I would say, you know, majority leaders have well, majority humans have one to two dominant egos. And usually you have some form of, you know, protector controller if you are in a leadership role. Usually more of the controller and a and a complier or a protector to balance it out. But the reality is you have to have some control because it's it's results oriented. It, you cannot have a right. success. Mm -hmm. You cannot climb a corporate ladder. You cannot build a career if you don't have ambition, if you don't have drive, if you don't have passion, right? And so that is the strength of the controller. Um, now So the sorry, way that oh go ahead. 
No, go ahead. I was just say, so, you know, with that being said, even someone that has a dominant complier ego can be very driven by their controller ego. So for example, um, someone who's motivated by being light, they might've started their career of just, you know, people, please, you know, you find the leader that's going to mm-hmm. promote me, promote you. You just do everything. You workaholic at all, all night hours and you get people going and you do everything people ask you to do, even if you're burning yourself out just to get recognized. Right. But your motivator is to be the best to win in order for people to like me in order for me to get promoted, to get right? And so again, it's there's a motivator yeah. for everything. Even if your dominant ego is not a controller, you can still have controller in you in order to get to that finish line. That's really interesting. You know, and, 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 and you know, my thought on this that I came to after, after seeing literally hundreds of different CEOs in different industries around the world operate is that it, it's like you said, Christy, you know, we all have an ego. It's, it's, it's not, you know, you, when you tell someone don't be egotistical or, or don't, 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 you know, you know, have, have an ego, that's like saying that that's like, well, no, what I was going to say is curbing is different though. Cause that's the, see, I think that's the key. Just, I think that the most successful leaders I've seen are not ones who have no ego. They're ones who have learned to ride their ego instead of letting their ego ride them. So yeah. they use it in an intentional way that they are in control yeah. of their ego rather than being unconsciously controlled by their ego. Absolutely. That's what I want to pick yeah. out because you started off, Christy, saying it's it's the unconscious mind. Yeah. And that's the flaw, isn't it? Because if you allow your ego unconsciously to run wild in its predominant main factor, that's where you get the problems. But if you can understand that, and I think that's why it was great asking these questions because I, I've learned so much about these three domains of egotism that people aren't aware of. And if you become, it's like everything, if you become aware of it, you then know how and when to apply it, when there's Bryce and when to temper it, when to push harder and unleash those different variations of the ego you have with him. Cause you all have it, can't get rid of it. It's a natural internal capability that we all have. Absolutely. And it's not a bad thing. And I think we've got to go away from this stigma of ego is bad. Absolutely. I'm fed up of reading HBR reviews with the big guy in a suit and the cockerel going, ego is bad yes. for leadership. It's not. It's got to be understood. It's got to be managed. And the lack yeah. of understanding and thinking mm-hmm. about it. And then, and then yeah, managed. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How do you see people manage? I want to push back on that a little bit, actually, because mm-hmm. I do think that ego can be very bad. Well, absolutely. An it's, overused it's, ego it's, is, yeah. is detrimental right. to success, to relationships, to happiness, to all of it. Absolutely. Exactly. But you can't, but the idea that you're going to eliminate it, that it's a, that it's a switch that you're going to have, that you have a choice to turn on or off is, is where the problem I think lies. It's a feather. I don't think this is a binary thing, is it? It can't be. And I think that's one of the, you know, big things about mindful choice. That's what we do. We normalize the ego, right? It's normal. We all do it. We can all be a jerk. Sometimes we can all Mm -hmm. be passive aggressive. Sometimes we can all be too too direct and, you know, too task oriented. And we forget about the people sometimes. And I think that's where, when we normalize it, yeah. it just becomes part of human nature. We get to say, Hey, I'm not perfect. And when I'm not perfect, that means that I can apologize. And where a lot of times the ego doesn't let us apologize because then people think I'm soft or people think I, you know, messed up and I can't mess up or I have no worth or value. And that's where egos really hurt leadership. And we see that all the time in our politics, in our corporations, in our even small, you know, businesses and in our homes. People just can't admit when they're wrong. And instead they have to blame and find some reason why they did what they did. It's like, just accept you did what you did because you have an old belief system that told you that you're not worthy if you do X. And so you can't accept that you did X. Instead of just saying, you know what, this morning I was grumpy and I was bitchy and I just got to apologize for it. I am sorry. Let's start over. Right? Like now I'm normal. And that's parenting one-on-one. You see that in your children and it, and it's, it's, and as you said, that nurturing of that, I think that's nipping that in the bud, educating them on when that surfaces, that hey, you call, it's your responsibility as a parent to call that out. But as they grow, they recognize it. And it goes back to that feathering, that tempering and understanding it yourself so you can control it, hopefully, and then use it to more effective you know, behavioral Absolutely. Outputs. And you say parenting, one, I think that's leadership 101 too. Right. When people get comfortable with egos and being able to hold each other accountable, then you like what I love the most Mm -hmm. when we start doing ego work within entire organizations, 
you start to see the entire team members be able to call people out and say, hey, I think your ego's showing up right now. Can we just stop and take a, because they all have common yeah. language, right? Now you're not saying, oh, you're a real big jerk. You, sh you should stop that. It's like there's empathy when someone's ego shows up because you know it's not their best self. Yeah. You know that they're not consciously doing that thing where instead when people come across as being a jerk, we naturally say, oh, they're just a jerk. That's just how they, that's just them. The most effective <laughs> leaders that I've seen in, in my work are the ones that have mastered the ability to check their egos Absolutely. when they need to. Yep. And, 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 and a lot of people, you know, my, my mentor, Alan Mulally, former CEO of Ford, former president of Boeing, I can't tell you how many people over the years have come up because he's such a warm and caring and sincere guy. And people say, it's amazing that he rose to lead these huge companies and he has no ego. Yeah. It's not true. He does. Absolutely. But what he has is an amazing awareness yes. of the danger mm -hmm. that, that letting his ego run him mm -hmm. versus him controlling it yes. has. And he has an amazing ability to check his ego at the door, to bring other people into the spotlight, yeah. to share the stage with other people, because he understands that, that, Building other people up helps him to be successful too. Right. And the thing is, is that what I've seen, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is that the people who aren't able to do that, the leaders who, you know, a lot, a lot of times people think, you know, someone who is just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick on someone, Jack Welch, you know, someone who I perceived as having a huge ego that was kind of out of control at many points. Mm -hmm. People view that as strength. Like, you know, this guy is such a big stud that he's got this huge ego and he doesn't care what people think about him and stuff. I think I think that people who are like that are coming from a place of deep insecurity and deep fear. Absolutely. And it's the confident people who are secure who are able to say, you know what? Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty a pretty big deal, but I'm going to check that and bring these other people to the fore with me because I'm confident enough that I don't need to own every inch of the spotlight. Absolutely. And confidence lies, you know, is an ego tactic that lies in all three egos. And they, it looks very different for each one. Um, you know, the loud, the in your face confidence, absolutely. It's, it's driven by insecurity, but so is the too humble. Right. And so I think a lot of times it's recognizing, you know, when you know your ego type, you know, which way you naturally go. If you're a controller, you're naturally going to go to the more arrogant, um, you know, overly confident, by your own press story. Um, if you are a protector, you're most likely gonna go one way or the other, depending if you have a secondary that's complier or controller. If you have a controller secondary, you're most likely going to go to that very loud in your face, I'm the best, I'm right, get out of my way energy. Um, if you tend to fall more on the complier, you're gonna be more of the overly humble, insecure, um, to where it's like you don't take any credit. Right. And so recognizing where do you fall? Uh, compliers too, they can fall in either, you know, um, the victim or the martyr mindset as well. Like it's either I'm, I'm amazing or I'm never going to be good enough. And so I think a lot of times that confidence that you're seeing, controllers naturally have the ability to walk in a room and put the show on. It's one of their biggest gifts. Now, when it's overused, that energy can be, you know, um, it can be a turnoff, right? And it's like, eh, that's a fake right. facade. Now, with that being said, that's actually the strength that a complier and a protector have to pull from. They need some of that 33% of that, that arrogance is, right. a t is, a, is one of the identifications of an ego. But arrogance at 33% is just authentic confidence. It's just you saying, I know when I'm worthy. I know when I need to mm -hmm. take ownership and I know when I need to take credit. But ownership is about good, bad, and ugly. And you can only be authentically confident, like genuinely confident. I don't need validation. I don't need permission. I don't need anyone's approval. Um, I don't need to prove myself and my worth to anyone. And when you can own your good, bad, and ugly, that's when you just get to show up and say, this is me. Take it or leave it. I don't care what you think. I know that I'm doing right right now. I can look myself in the eye and say I can sleep because I chose my best way. And I think that's when... We're managing our ego. When you see a leader who does that well, 
they can look themselves mm-hmm. in the eye and say, you know what? I managed my ego today. Was I perfect? No. And they'll be able to list off the five things that they didn't do well. Where did I do great? And they'll be able to list off the 10 things they did great. And I think that's really the balance when a leader can own both sides of it. A lot of times the ego only owns one side. You're either doing an amazing job or you're not doing good enough. And that black and white thinking is typically what creates those insecurities. Again, whether the insecurity comes across as I'm confident I'm the best, I'm going to prove I'm supposed to be here. Or if the insecurity looks like, you know what, I'm never going to be good enough. I got to chase this ladder. I've got to you know, keep working harder. If I don't do this thing, I'm going to get fired. And they're constantly trying to justify their worth and value. But um, you know, some of the most successful leaders still fall into the insecurity that I'm not doing a good enough job and they're just chasing the ghost. Right. And they're never going to get good enough because it's you meet a goal, but it's still not good enough. You got to get to the next goal. And so, again, being very aware of where is that ego, you know, creating this fake facade of confidence that you internally don't think you're doing a good enough job, because that's typically what the ego is. A lot of times the world around you, especially the higher up you go, we can all be trained to put the show on. Um, And so most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time, the ego is the imposter and high level leaders have that Mm -hmm. imposter just as much, if not more so than the guy at the bottom. Absolutely. Let's, let's take a short break. And when we come back, let's dive into that imposter syndrome and how to overcome it. Hey folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively, to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. Welcome back. So before the break, we were talking about imposter syndrome and ego, and it it got me thinking, when I quit my job as a journalist and started working with with CEOs, I I was really stunned by how many leaders had imposter syndrome and how many leaders were were really deeply insecure about their positions at the top of, of, of large companies. And it, it was, you know, I imagined that they were all going to be uber confident and stuff because that's what I had seen externally as a reporter. And, you know, when you come in and I'm sure you experienced this, Christy, as a, as a coach, when you come in and you're working with people as an outsider in their organization one-on-one, you're the person that they can let their guard down to um, because they're terrified of letting their guard down to anyone on yeah. their team. And, and it was really, really surprising to me. And, it's, and it really yeah. seemed like a very prevalent pathology, if you will, this, this imposter syndrome leading to, to, to ego issues. Yeah. And you know, that imposter syndrome looks different for everyone, but every single one of us feels like the imposter takes over at some point. Um, you know, for the controller, we very rarely will admit that we have an imposter going on because we have to buy our own press. We are not worthy and we do not have value unless we say we are the best and we are going to win. Now, that does not mean that deep down inside we are not terrified. And a lot of times we won't even take on tasks that we don't think confidently that we'll win. Um, that's one of the downsides of control is we procrastinate things that we think we're going to fail at. We procrastinate things that we typically um, don't know how to do, even if we said we, we did, because a lot of times we, you know, we're uh, fake it till you make it is our motto. Like we can do this. Let's figure it out and we'll get to the finish line. Now, a lot of times we will overspeak or overcommit because, again, the ego has taken over. But I think on the other end of that, you've got the protector who most of the time they have to be right. That's their worth and values. So if I'm not right, I'm not worthy. And a lot of times when they mess up or they have to own a mistake, it becomes to that place of imposter so deeply that it will be paralyzing to them. And you either get that very defensive protector that has to justify their worth and value. And so it comes across as they're attacking the person in front of them, but really internally they're attacking themselves Um, or the opposite where they will just completely shut down and check out like done, not going to do it anyways. Um, And then you've got the complier imposter, which will just sit back and kind of go into that place of, 
I'm not good enough and I just have to keep going. I have to work harder. I've got to do this. I'll never be as good as so-and-so. I'll never be the leader they want me to be. And they constantly are having to prove that they're supposed to be there. Yeah, right. Because it's like, wow. It's like, this is like, I know I was thinking about it. Emotional drain. Especially because it's such an unconscious emotional behavior that most of us would never consciously out loud say, Oh yeah, I feel like that. Right. I mean, we're starting to use this language. So a lot of us are becoming more aware of it, Mm -hmm. but back in the day, that wasn't something we were consciously aware that was even a thing. And so it is draining. It's exhausting. And unfortunately those. But I've seen people behave like that. Those examples Mm -hmm. you gave, I can recount over 20, 30 years of seeing someone shut down and do that. Totally subconsciously. And I thought, why did that happen? Now I play about the scenario and I can see they were that. ego protect or mm-hmm. whatever they were doing absolutely kicking in yeah yeah it really is because again what i love the most about ego management is once we start recognizing the ego it actually creates so much more empathy in the world because people now can understand yes. why someone's doing what they're doing versus judging what they're doing and i think that's the freedom that comes with ego management um one for yourself you give yourself permission to be you know imperfect you have sympathy for people when you see that that their egos riding them like a horse, you know, and that they don't even know that it's, it's driving them to this defensiveness or it's driving them to lash out or, you know, yeah. I was just saying, knowing that it typically is an insecurity based motivator, right? Whether your fear of failing or fear of being seen um, is typically where the ego shows up. And and you talked earlier about the, the three types and normally people have a blend of two. Is that the majority normal or have you seen people with elements of all three and, or is, is that something people learn? Absolutely. I think majority of us, especially the older we get in life, we have all three. And sometimes we'll have two in our personal life and then two at the workspace, right? And so I think ultimately the goal is to pull from all three. And the more self-aware you become, the more you start to use all three egos because you understand balancing the balance them that out. they all create yeah. in your world. Our best self. Yeah, exactly. Our best self is when we use all three at that 33%, because now we are a caring, you know, caring, empathetic, um, kind leader who does what's right for everyone, who is fair, who holds integrity and speaks truth and who also needs to get results and gets everybody to the finish line with us. And so when we can use all three, that's just a well-rounded individual, whether we're talking about our family or whether we're talking our business. If we're at the finish line by ourselves, we're not winning at the end of the day, right? I love that. If we're at the finish line by ourselves, yeah. we're not winning. You said that earlier and it gave me yeah. chills. It's, it's a great it's, line. It's like, you know, it, it, and you see that so, so much. much. You see people who who can think of a lot of lot of folks who yeah. <laughs> uh you know are in politics and business and government um who kind of stand at make it to the top of the of, of the dunghill because yeah. that's usually what it ends up being and yeah. you know are, Lonely are, place. are up there you know i'm number one and look you know there's just a tattered ruins of their of their friends families companies societies in some cases around them yeah, yeah. So really understanding them. I was reading your Forbes article and going into the details of each one of the the three. And I think, you know, if you can master, because obviously there's pros and cons within each, aren't there? So as you were talking about there, if you can understand yeah. and bring the three elements that are the top end versus the bottom mm-hmm. end out when you know and understand them, it goes back to that mastery and understanding of it yourself. And that, I guess the scenarios you're in, yeah. you know, if you, if you can work out workplace, family, I'm walking into the scenario X, and that is likely to trigger, yep. you know, ego ABC, mm-hmm. knowing myself, and therefore I need to throttle back on this. I need to forward leave yep. on that one. That's really fascinating, and the self understanding is crucial. What is some other advice, Christy, that you give to to your clients on how to balance their egos out and and uh, get some control over them as opposed to letting them? control them. Yeah. So ego management is a lifelong journey. You know, I think everybody always says, well, how do I do this? How do I fix it? Um, egos don't go away. You can't fix fix it. it. Yeah. And so egos don't go away. So I always just tell people self-awareness and ownership are the two components. When we go through the Academy, we start there 
and we end there because at the end of the day, self-awareness and ownership, it changes over time. You know, just because today you're self-aware about what today's traits are, your ego can look different tomorrow based on life circumstances. And so, you know, always allowing yourself to just be present and conscious and intentional with how you're thinking. So, you know, that's step one. Why does this matter to me when you do get triggered, when you feel an emotional response? Um, the ego is triggered by emotions, change, feelings, hard things, um, you know, anything we can fail at, whether, but it can be good stuff too, right? Love. Think about if you, if you're married, think about the night before the week before the six months before you get married. There's so many emotional roller coasters that go on. That's fear-based, that's exciting, but then it's scary. And all of that is ego driven, right? Um, the ego wants to get excited about it, but it also wants to prepare you for disappointment. And so you constantly are in this battle of what, what am I really feeling? And so the bigger question is not just what you do, but why do you do it? When you know why you do something, you can now change it. Most of the time when you go through professional development or personal development, you, you look at what you do. Here's four tips to change it. And it doesn't ever get into the why. Why are we doing this to begin with? And once you get into the whys, now you're into the belief systems. Now you're into the, to the bigger thing, because if you think about any any issue that arises in your life, any confrontation, any struggle, most likely it's the same story that keeps repeating itself over and over and over again with different is. characters, different topics, different situations, right? Right. Until you learn that lesson. And that lesson truly is the ego, not, you're not learning about the ego's tactic in that situation, that unconscious mindset, belief, or behavior that continues down the same pattern, the same process, or leads to the same results every time. And so you have to stop and get self-aware. Why am I doing this? And why does this matter to me? Why does it matter to someone else? And start to shift yeah. perspective to a bigger viewpoint. The more we can get... And that mastery of intervention yes, is yes, at that point. Absolutely. Intentional thought. And then the more you can get away from it. Like once you know your ego's triggered, the further you can get yourself away from that. The ego is eye-centric, right? Um, I have to be right. I have to be liked. I have to be the best. And so when something triggers us, someone else is the problem. And we become either the victim or the martyr. So when you start to look at it and say, you know, why does this matter to me? Why does this matter to the other person involved? Why does it matter to the community, to my company, to my team, to my customer, whatever it is, and you keep getting it further and further away, there's less emotion. It's no longer about me. It's about the thing. What, what's the outcome I'm trying to create? And now it's no longer about the emotion that's creating, but the outcome we're looking to achieve. Right. And we can have a totally different conversation. Um, there's empathy. There's perspective shift. You're no longer looking at it through just your lens. You're now looking at it through 17 different lenses and you're able to see it from a bigger place. And so that that's the easiest way to get out of ego is to make sure you get into that bigger perspective. Well, you have to get into to, to the unpacking of it, like you said, of the understanding mm -hmm. the why mm -hmm. if you're going to deal with it. Because I, you know, I, you know, I, full disclosure, I, I used to I, I used to, to to think that because I knew I was an asshole and I would yep. own being an asshole, that that made it okay that I was an asshole. And, Absolutely. And, and I literally would tell people, you know, I know I'm an asshole, you know, and, and, and as though that somehow made it okay, like, because I was, you know, because I, and I think it was because of, it's not, I know, I know it's not okay. <laughs> um, I learned that ultimately, but, but, you know, the, I think part of the reason why it took me a while to even realize that that was not okay to just you know, that was not enough was because I saw so many people around me who were assholes who didn't recognize that they were assholes. And so I thought, oh, look at me. You know, I, mm -hmm. I know that I'm an asshole. Therefore, <clears throat> it's okay. And I would, yeah. and then I could apologize for being an asshole. But then, you know, at some point, I, it, the, the penny dropped and it was like, you know what would be even better? Not being an asshole in the first place. Yeah. That leads me to my contrarian thinking uh, question I want to come in with here. Where does narcissism fit into this? Because the ego is unconscious, as you said. Narcissism isn't. It's something we're born with. And the two are very similar from the outside right. looking in. But where do we see where, you know, as a coach, as somebody supporting a client, where that's ego, we can help that. Whereas narcissism, we can't. And, and there's that clarity we need as somebody working with that individual. What, what's your expertise and advice in that area? So that's a really, really good question. And actually, I, yeah. I think it's kind of 
I want to go back to the asshole comment really quick because I think they're semi-related. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where the ego doesn't take full ownership. So going back to the authentic confidence and confidence, right? You portrayed as confident by saying, yeah, I'm an asshole, whatever, do what I need to do anyways, right? And so that was your way of right. masking an insecurity underneath that, whatever whatever the action was that you were doing. Some people come up, you know, are the comedians and that's their mask. Yeah. Some people are the assholes and that's their mask. Um, and so with that, I think a lot of times, I will say, I think it probably did make you right. come across as less of an asshole by just saying I'm exactly. an asshole, right? It may not have made anything better, <laughs> but at least again, people were like, well, at least he knows he's an asshole. Um, so I think there is one level of awareness and respect that comes right. with that. Then the next level is true ownership. Why are you being the asshole? Because that's the question most people never get to. They just take ownership of a behavior. Mm-hmm. They've heard over and over they're a jerk or they know that they're being a jerk, but they don't know a different way. Yeah, goes back to the why. And that's typically what the right. ego is. Yeah, the, t- the ego is a behavior we've adopted. It one time served us. It, you know, most of the time when we were in our maverick years, when we were in our teenage years, when we needed these tools, they got us to where we're at. So we needed yeah. the protectors to come in and save us for certain situations. Now that we have relationships, now that we're running teams or businesses, it doesn't really serve us anymore. And that's when we have to shift. But at that point, it's usually like, well, I don't even know a different way. This has always worked. So now I'm just the asshole, right? And so again, I think recognizing that that's a good cue that there's an ego that's masking your good guy. A lot of times good guys want to come across as the tough guy, right? Like I was too soft. And so a lot of time compliers, especially complier men, it's like, well, I don't want to come across as too, you know, too soft. So I'm going to mask it with this protector that's a jerk. Um, and so, you know, really show them that I could be boss. And I think again, knowing again, what's the motivator behind whatever it is that you're, you're masking, um, and then taking the ownership to a super deeper level. And that's where the authentic confidence comes from. That's when, when you say I was a jerk, now I can own it, actually say sorry versus yeah, I'm a jerk. I get it. I don't care. Just go do your job. Um, and so I think that that's a great segue into the narcissist because I think a lot of times the ego does come across as a narcissist, mm-hmm. whether you are a complier, controller, or protector. A lot of times the protector is the one that can probably come across if you you know list out traits of a narcissist. A lot of times the protector ego can look that way because it is so black and white. The difference is narcissism is a mental disorder, right? Like that's that's something that I small agree. population of the world has. I Unfortunately, I think we're bucketing a lot of people into it right now. Yeah. And it's really wrong um, because I think a lot of times the people who are claiming someone's a narcissist is someone that's being a vict- victimizing their own circumstance and blaming someone else. And that's their ego, right? Your yeah. ego is saying, I have no control of my own life. And yeah. now I have a narcissistic boss that's a jerk and it's his fault that I'm unhappy. That's ego tactic. I don't think probably either person or narcissist in that moment. That's just ego driven behavior. So I think that's where the fine line comes from. Um, As far as narcissistic traits that the egos can support one um, being very black and white, my way or the highway. That's very much an ego trait. Um, Not having empathy. You know, it hurts too bad to have empathy. I've learned that I've got disappointed. So I might as well just prepare for disappointment and not care about anyone's feelings. Those are ego tactics. Um, putting myself on the O line, put myself first because no one else is going to take care of me, so I must take care of myself. Like, those again are ego tactics. So I think there's a lot of overlapping ego traits mm-hmm. that can look very narcissistic because again, the ego is driven by me. I am taking care of me first, and no one else matters, and it's an isolated. Yeah, tactic. I think that you're absolutely right, and I think it's. I think that this is intellectual laziness, which. You know, you see in any situation where it's it's easier to just bucket people at, and say, well, that person's, a, you know, a narcissist rather than that person's, you know, got an ego issue because, you know, because of a reason, yeah, you know, I mean, <clears throat> we... We, we usually try to stay away from politics on this podcast, but not always. And, and so, you know, I mean, I'm going to throw out, I mean, we have a graphic example in the United States over the past several years of an absolute Very true much. narcissist in Donald Trump. And if you look at that, that is very different than just a, a an egomaniacal CEO. I mean, that is somebody who literally it is impossible for them to have a moment of self-reflection. It is literally clearly mm-hmm. impossible for him to have any 
questioning of of any decision he's ever made in his life. And, and you know, the thing that, that that struck me the most about that was was I think it was when he was running for president. He was talking about what a what a big Christian he is, and and a, a New York Times reporter asked him if he ever sinned and and asked God for forgiveness, and he said no because I've I've never sinned. And it's like, I mean, that's, I mean, that is like, yeah, unbelief. Yeah. 100% belief as well. You know, and and I think, you know, I think Elon Musk is another example of, of absolute narcissism where they just are completely unwilling and unable to look at the fact that they may have made a mistake in something they did. And every single thing that happens is somebody else's fault. But those people are rare. Yes. And I will also, I'm going to take it to the other side because I think those are controller protector narcissistic traits. I think you've got the, the Obamas and the Hillary's and you know, the Joe Biden's that Mm -hmm. also, they just have more of the complier. So it's more likable. It's less aggressive. I think they have the narcissistic traits. Now, whether they're narcissists or not, like, again, who, who knows you just look at his egos. Well, politics certainly seems politics yeah, certainly <laughs> seems to attract narcissists at that level. Well, yeah. I think our world has created that, right? Like, could you imagine no. a normal person who likes to come home to their family, who likes oh, to have you, a normal you know, life, I, be in politics today? Like, it's not even possible. You get thrown to the wolves before you even get elected. You get, you know, everything is just so. People like the drama these days. You've got, you know, the Kardashians, which are role models. I mean, you've got, you know, housewives, which people can sit around and binge all day, which again, no judgment. But I think that's becoming more of the norm, the drama fed news that is unfortunately ego driven. It's like, how much dopamine can we give someone to give them a fix? And dopamine is what feeds ego. And so it's like. You're you're absolutely right. And this is something that we've talked about before. and, and, And Marcus and I or in, in deep agreement on on both sides of the Atlantic is that the, the problem, you know, particularly in the U.S. and the U.K., is that anyone who who has any business running the United States or the United Kingdom would never want to oh, in a million years right now, you know, yeah. and, and 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 so what we're left with is, is on both sides is people who have are just such colossal mm-hmm. narcissists. That they that they are willing to to dive into yeah. that cesspool and, and yeah. bathe in it every day because and relish it and relish yeah. it and that's you know it's it's like uh, I that's such a scary thought um, and yet we see it everywhere you know I mean you know I I've known people who would have been good presidents who were asked yeah. to run <clears throat> by people with money and resources to run and 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 said. Not in a yeah, million years. Not going to do that to my name you or know. my family. Um, you know, I, 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 Ethics, I, I right? you name it. One person who, who I have longed to vote for as president my entire adult life, and this will be controversial to some people, but I'll say anyways, is, is uh, Condoleezza Rice. And I thought she was one mm-hmm. of the most brilliant yeah. leaders we've had. And she, during the, the, the election that, that, that ultimately led to Trump becoming the, the Republican candidate. She was asked many times to jump in and, and you know, right. save the Republican party and uh, run for president. And she said, every time she said, you know, I, I was secretary of state. I gave, no one can say I haven't given Did my part. this country a lot and <clears throat> I've got better things yeah. to do with my life. And I think also she, she was done with it, right? Whether, whether it was because she, well, it's like any job. I think a lot of times, when we look at politicians, just because you have great ideas, just because you, you know, got big personality, just because you think you can handle it, are you really the right fit, right? And I think a lot of times that's where that that power of humbleness to be able to say, you know, is this me just chasing and proving? And I think, unfortunately, um, there's people that are just chasing and proving. I think Hillary Clinton's a perfect example of that. I mean, Joe Biden is. How many times did he run for president, right? There's a point where it's like, when do you just... Stop. I mean, Trump's doing it right now. Like, if this has become the pattern. Like, let's run 57 times to prove that we could be president of the United States. It's like, no, that's not how this works. This job is not for everybody. Let's get someone in there that deserves this job, that can truly change and, you know, impact the world in a better way. Because we need it. Yeah, we need the person with integrity. And yeah. um, Well, and that's like, you know, I mean, Marcus and I talked about this a lot during the pandemic. I mean, it's it, it was staggering. Mm-hmm. That 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 Boris Johnson 
could 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 create this train wreck that he was creating and nobody there was no one to challenge him because there was yeah. there was nobody, nobody on the other side or even in his own party who 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 was willing to who had the ability yeah. who was willing to step up and say you know what i'm just going to dive into this to save the show and and it's that's because of what you said i mean we politics has just become such a vile vile platform well, and I don't even think it's the person anymore too, right? Like really, when you look at it, we're looking at just a bunch of characters. They're characters that has a marketing team that's putting all the language out. Like, I think that's the part that's more scary than anything else is it's hard to, you know, you were talking about group think in one of your guys' podcasts. I think it's really hard to not group think anymore, right? Like the way social media is set up, the way um, things are already predicted to assess how they think you're going to think so you only see this one path has really created some closed-minded thought and i think that's a another ego's tactic to really isolate and separate and divide us as humans and you're seeing that every day i mean whether i, I do so much coaching that ends up going into families because it's like I haven't talked to my you know parent in five years because i just can't stand that they voted for x or they believe this and it's like when did that happen? That's so wow. sad. You surfaced a huge point, which is that, you know, the, and I, and I, and I directly blame social media for this is that we've now mm -hmm. created a machine to mm -hmm. fuel the worst parts of our ego Yeah. because, and, and Marcus and I have recommended this before, but I'll recommend it again. And Sam can put a link in the show notes, the, the, the Netflix documentary, the, the social dilemma it's really good. Um, is yeah, so terrifying. good because it really, it's terrifying and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's terrifying because it's the people who created these algorithms talking about how they were created right? and, and they were created to play off of these, these negative ego traits that you've described yeah. and to, and to, and to poke them and to, to, because they know that that generates a response, keeps people coming back, keeps people clicking, keeps people spending more time on that platform. And as a result, you know, I think that, that we see all around us the, the the kind of tragic evidence of people who whose egos have just gone out of control. And and yet it's it's you have to have sympathy for them because there is a there is a, a machine that is driving that. And it's not driving it to, 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 to have that outcome, it's driving it to make money, but that's mm -hmm. the consequence of it. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest mottos we have is um, if you don't control your mind, someone or something else will, right? And at the end of the day, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Whether that's it's it. social media. That's the product out there. People mm -hmm. are trying to And catch that's it. what they want, right? And yeah. it's really scary, especially now that we're getting into the whole AI stuff. There's cool yeah. parts to this, but it's really terrifying as well because it does just start. It starts to make us not be able to think for ourselves. And I think we've seen that a lot in the last five to 10 years. It's Absolutely. really, really scary. Yeah. On that bombshell. Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. What a note to end on, indeed. Thank you. Fabulous to have you. Really interesting conversation. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. You'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.